When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Diggers podcast on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. It is Friday. You know who is here. Mimosa Michelle. What's up, Michelle? Mimosa Michelle is iced coffee, Michelle, today. Look at this bad boy. If you're watching us on video, it's a large Dunkin' iced coffee right here. It's going to get me hyped up. It's about a keg's worth of coffee. And that's not even your only beverage because you also have another huge beverage, which I'm... What is it? What it's is that? Water. That's like a, you need water with you at all times. <laughs> it's like a huge thermos of water. Where you must pee like eighty times a day. Oh, I absolutely do. I drink about six of these a day. Six of these. That's absurd. Got to get that water in, and then beverage gremlin Michelle Majuk here with us. There's on different a times of days. There's the coffee in the water, and then there's just the water, and then there's the alcohol. You know, you just <laughs> you have different stages of the day. See, I'm learning something new all the time here on the show. Uh, we're gonna do a couple fun things today. One of which is we're gonna dive into the tight end position because we're less than two weeks from the draft. The 49ers are apparently studying up on tight ends, so we thought we would dive into it a little bit with you. There's some unsettling rumors about the 49ers front office and some changes that could be happening there that have my stomach in knots that I want to get to as well. And Michelle and I actually did a little Zoom game session last night. I got to talk with Kate. My wife got to meet Michelle and Kate. It was very exciting. So we'll get to the highlights and that and why I am all smiles today at the end of the show. But yeah, let's yeah, start yeah. with the <laughs> let's start with the tight ends, Michelle. Niners, uh, there's a report from Matt Miller of ESPN that said the Niners are doing more work on the tight end position than any team that his source had encountered. What does that say to you? I mean, I, I know. So you right now, I feel like have this thing with George Kittle. So you're like, you're looking for this information. You really want a tight end. You really want the 49ers to draft a tight end. I think they could use a second one right now. A, just for insurance when George Kittle gets hurt, because it does happen often. <laughs> but also they can use, like, Kyle Shanahan can get creative enough to use two good tight ends on the field. And then also they're not stuck paying Kittle next year they can feel better about moving on from him if they were to draft a guy this year he were to show some flashes it's really hard to show much of anything as a rookie tight end but you know show flashes be able to be, get utilized and then maybe next offseason they would feel better moving on from Kittle saving some of that money especially if Kittle has another season where he sustains another injury misses more time like this would just be insurance and then let's say George Kittle stays healthy. You don't want to move on from him. And this rookie ends up being really solid too. Then you just have more weapons. Like there's no really downside of drafting a tight end, especially in the third round, which would be the first pick you guys have anyways, unless you were to trade up and take one of the, the higher named prospects in this draft class. 
The Niners have been searching for a second tight end since they got George Kittle, really. They've always wanted one. They've tried different guys there. Ross Dwelly, Charlie Warner. They tried, um, uh, why can't I ever think of this guy's name? The guy that used to play for Washington. Jordan, Jordan, it's not Jordan Elliott. That's friggin'. They (laughs) also tried Vance McDonald, wasn't that? Right. Yeah, because he was a stealer for a little bit. They've been searching. I can't think of that guy's name. It's going to drive me nuts. Anyway. They want a a second tight end, and let's be real, they want a tight end that's going to be cheaper than George Kittle because he makes a lot of money. That's part of this. Yeah, they want a compliment to George Kittle, but what they really want is the guy that can replace George Kittle. And it's not me wanting the 49ers to take a tight end or having it out with George Kittle. Literally, this report popped up yesterday. I didn't write it. It it is what it is. But I don't think George is going to be quote tweeting me on that one, is he? See, you do have a little thing with him. You're loving it. You're loving the news that came out that they're doing all this work on tight ends. It's okay. We all, we have all have these little side things that we we are rooting for. No, I'm not loving it because I dislike George Kittle. I'm loving it because everybody came at me like I was a psychopath and it's, I'm proving to be right. So I'll take your apologies at stats on fire. Feel free. Just fire away with them. I'll read every one. Like y'all were all up in my mentions when George Kittle dunked on me the other day. So that's all I'm saying. The thing with this class is there are a lot of really good prospects. The issue is they're all expected to go pretty high in the draft. So unfortunately, the 49ers don't have a pick until the late third round at the moment, unless they trade one of the pieces. So a lot of these games, the names at the top with Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer and Luke Musgrave and even my boy Sam Laporta, who I would just absolutely love the 49ers to get, they're all going to be gone. And Darnell Washington is another high prospect right now, especially after the combine. He came in absolutely huge and dominated. So he'll probably be gone as well. So then, yeah, there's other guys that you, you know you're looking at that we'll talk about. It's just like when people say this class is so good, it's really at the top there. And then you just got to get lucky, I guess, after that to find to find someone good. Yeah, I was reading that as many as three or four tight ends could go in round one, which would be insane. I, I don't know that that's ever happened in my lifetime, um, but there are some crazy talents there. But let's dive into it a little bit. I have my draft guide from Dane Brugler up. And again, I'm I am no draft expert. I'm that's I'm just not going to pretend that I know anything about these people, but I'm looking here. So I'll read off a name and you tell me if you think they're going to be gone by the 49ers pick Michael Mayer. I assume that's a yes. Yeah, he's gone. Kincaid. Yeah, he'll be top 20 pick Musgrave. Yeah, but he's all projection. So he, he'll he probably be second round pick. Darnell Washington out of Georgia. Yeah, I think someone falls in love with him after the combine and he goes in the second Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State. I think he could be there, but I think he goes in the third round, and I think that's who I want. That's who I'm going for with the 49ers. With being realistic about who they possibly could get, Tucker Craft is at the top of my list. Obviously, Sam Laporta would be number one, but I think he'll be gone. Okay, we've talked about Laporta a little bit. What do I need to know about Craft? He's a big guy. What is he? Six four two four two fifty four. He's six five two fifty four. Ran a four six nine. Twenty two and a half years old. 
South Dakota State, though, so played at the FCS level. It's kind of hard to tell, like, when you're watching him. Yeah, he looks fantastic, and he's great at uh, after the catch, and he's great at, you know, making guys miss and breaking tackles, but how much is that the people he's playing against, you know, and how much is that is he's just really good player. Actually, Dane Bugler has Tucker Craft ranked higher than Sam Laporta. He yes. has Craft at tight end five, Laporta at six. He puts Kraft at a second round grade in the draft. Well, PFF has him second, third round. So I'm actually surprised they have him going this high. I would have thought he would be there for the 49ers. So it might be a little bit of a stretch. He had a really good season, 2021, 770 yards, six touchdowns. He got hurt in 2022. He's actually, he's just really fun to watch and he's just better than everyone else on the field. Again, it's the competition and you don't know really good body type for a receiving tight end. Good movement. He's smooth. He does need work on run blocking, but I think he has the body to do it. The only thing is, will Kyle Shanahan be cool with that? Be cool drafting a guy that needs work on run blocking. That's my only question. But if you're talking about a guy that can be a difference maker in the receiving game, I do think Tucker Kraft could bring that to the table. And when you're looking at all these top guys, Kraft has the best possibility of actually falling to the 49ers where they're picking. There's a couple of things that I like. First, I like that he's played off the line and he's played in line. So he's got versatility there because that's the number one thing Kyle Shanahan wants is to be able to just move you all around the field. But then I look at some of the weaknesses and I see, okay, needs to work on run blocking, like you said, and route running. And I feel like those are okay. Those are teachable fixable things that you can learn. And if you put in the time and the effort, you can get better at. Plus he's going to have Kittle there at least for a little while. We all know George knows how to run block. So I feel like those are things that are fixable. So if that's, if those are the biggest things you have to work on, that's really encouraging to me because you can do that. That's an easily changeable thing about your career. So I, I, now you've got me intrigued. Now I've got two tight end crushes. Yeah. Well, Sam Laporta, like at Iowa, he did it with harder competition. And when, like, I, I just have an obsession with Sam Laporta, I guess he just <laughs> is, he's just little, he's little George Kittle, like younger George Kittle. That's just what you see on the field. And now maybe I'm helmet scouting here and I'm being biased, but it just, they, I don't know. I just get little little goosebumps when I watch Sam Laporta. But Tucker Craft was a fun watch. I'll say that. Like he he excited me. He actually like got my attention. And I'm like, all right, all right. I would be down for the 49ers to select him. I'm not going to be as nice to the two other guys that we wanted to discuss. I just I don't really see them being much in the NFL, but we can get into them. Before we move on, I just want to point out uh Tucker. Kraft ran a four six nine. If you're comparing Sam Laporta ran a four five nine. So obviously Laporta's got a little more speed. I mean, not every tight end is going to run in the four fives like George Kittle did. So like, don't get disappointed when you see those numbers, but just for the sake of comparison, you know, just so people have a, a general idea of the difference in some of these players. Next up, uh, Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan, which would be intriguing to me because that means the 49ers would have to go to Michigan and talk to Jim Harbaugh and find out about this guy, although supposedly their relationship with Harbaugh is better now. Uh, Schoonmaker, is he that much of a step down from the other guys that you were talking about? I think he is. He's just very meh to me. He'll be fine. Like I think he'll be a <laughs> solid. He's going to be solid. He'll be fine for a 
a team, I guess, like he's an addition, but he doesn't bring anything different. He's not a difference maker at all. He's also almost 25 years old. He will be 25 years old in his rookie mm-hmm. season. 6'5", 251, 463, like that's fine speed. He just, he's not a deep threat whatsoever. He's a fine blocker and like he, he, he could do that normal tight end thing where like you find space in the middle, like you just kind of sneak in there. Like he's fine with finding that space and catching those balls and getting a couple yards after he catches it. He's broke two broken tackles his entire collegiate career. Two what? broken tackles. That seems <laughs> impossible. That's impossible. Like I... Could I somehow break two broken tackles in college? Probably not. No, I'd probably just die. But three contested catches only throughout his whole entire collegiate career. He's old as hell. Like, <laughs> he, like he doesn't have much upside at all. I, I think he can come in and probably be ready to play, I guess. But, like, he offers nothing here for me. He also, you'll hate this, he's been injured so often. He was injured a lot in high school, injured I'm in out. college, and he even got injured at his pro day. Oh. But watching him, there's nothing I see that reminds me of a 49ers tight end. Like, I do not see that man as a 49ers tight end. He showed me nothing. He didn't show me any, like, like strength or, like, just, like, aggressiveness. (laughs) There's, like, when watching him, he does not remind you of a 49ers tight end. It's like a – I'm trying to think of a team that – like a Browns tight end or something. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't show you any – what was that? Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> I caught her in mid sip there. Yeah. That's why that was delayed. Um, so two things I just learned about Schoonmaker that are cool. He's from Hamden, Connecticut, which is where I live right now. He was coached by Joe Linta, who is the agent of Kyle Juszczyk. So in high school, Schoonmaker was coached by Kyle Juszczyk's agent. Does that give the 49ers more insight into him? I have no idea. It's just, it's just a boring pick. If he were to be picked, mm-hmm. I don't think he would turn into anything special. He might get on the field. He would be like the Jawan Jennings of tight ends. Oh man. So you, you say that as an <laughs> insult. Jawan is good, but I, so I feel like what you're saying is he would be more of like the traditional backup tight end, as opposed to someone else. Like we just talked about with Kraft or with Laporta who would be a potential George Kittle replacement. Yeah, exactly. He could be your tight end too. He's going to be fine. He's nothing exciting. Like he's going to be pretty much like Charlie Warner. Like he's pretty much going to just be that guy where like, yes, he can be your tight end too, but you wouldn't feel good about moving on from George Kittle at that point, or even you're not trying to get this guy in the field. It's not like, oh, we need us, you know, have some two tight end sets out here because we need him on the field because he's such a good playmaker. It's just, yeah, if Kittle were to go down, he can handle it for a game or two, but he's not going to make any special plays. I think that's just what I got. I mean, people I'm sure are different than me, but also I just hate the age thing. If it took you this long to, (laughs) I don't know, 25 years old, man, that's That's that's, pretty old. It's getting old. Last one I want to talk about is somebody that was really interesting to me. And that's Brenton strange from Penn state six foot three, two fifty three. He ran a four seven, which isn't, you know, thrilling, but physically I feel like the dude is imposing. I know nothing about him. So you tell me more. He's a four-star recruit. He was the number 14 tight end in the 2019 recruiting class. Um, he was third third team all Big Ten last year, which, you know, that's not really thrilling. But he's muscular. 
He's really good after the catch. He's got very good balance. You know, it's not like the guy I want, but I don't hate him, which is like sometimes with some of the 49ers picks, I'm like, ugh, I don't know. At least it would be intriguing to me. And I feel like you have to get one of these tight ends, right? You can't have a need at tight end, have this historically great tight end class, and then end up not taking any of them. So PFF has him going in the fourth round. They're tight on 15. Uh, it says the cons barely featured in Penn State offense. Hard to get strong feeling with only 38 targets all season, which I am okay with. Like if you didn't, I mean, if they're not using him also, it might say like he wasn't good enough to be used in college. Why is he going to be good enough to use in the NFL? But sometimes that happens with tight ends. They don't get utilized all that much as receivers. And then they come into the NFL and it's completely different. Um, they, the pros natural athlete really see him shine with the ball in his hands, can go up and get it. Looks comfortable playing the football in the air. So yeah, I'll, I'll have to look into this guy a bit more. He's six, four, 253 pounds. Did he run at the, at the combine four, seven. So not slow, but not fast. Right. Interesting. Um, just out of, for comparison, George Kittle never had more than 22 catches in any season in college. Yeah. So you, that can't always scare you away. No. And I, I will talk about, like, I have a sleeper pick that I, I like, but first I wanted Ooh. to hit on Zach Koontz. I know you wanted to hit on him from old dominion. Yeah. Tell me. So he is in everyone's top 10 tight end ranks. He is uh, Dane Bugler's and PFF's tight end 10 in this draft class. They have him going in fourth, fifth round. He's from Old Dominion. He is 28, tw sorry, not 28, 23.8 years old. So he'll be 24 this season. He's massive, six foot seven, 255 <sighs> pounds. He ran a four, five, five. So he's what? extremely athletic for his size, what? huge frame, able to create space. The one thing I'll say is he's super lanky. Like he looks awkward out there. He's lanky. It's not like he's six foot seven. Like he is super strong because, well, he has a lot of, he has very low fat. I should say, I don't even want to say he's super strong because he doesn't, he doesn't do what you expect him to do. He spent five years in college. He first started at Penn state, but he couldn't play there. Like he couldn't get on the field. So then he had mm -hmm. to transfer to Old Dominion to even play. Now, to be fair, Pat Fryermuth was ahead of him. Pat Fryermuth was a first round pick in the draft and very good NFL tight end so far. So yes, that may have kept him off the field and that's why he couldn't play. But even at Old Dominion, uh, per Dane Bugler, only 48.2% of his receptions resulted in a first down or touchdown. And again, that's at Old Dominion playing against pretty poor competition. It's really not good. That means like you're getting seven, eight yards max on these catches. Like you're not doing much of anything. And I, again, this isn't a guy when I'm watching him that I think is going to be special. Like, yeah, the height's cool, but how often do these super tall tight ends end up being anything anyways? It's not, it's not like it happens very usually. I'm not really into Zach Koontz, but I get why people would be intrigued by the height, the size and the speed. I just think He's just too awkward and lanky and just, he doesn't really impress me. I know that this is not smart, but six, seven, two fifty five. I mean, like LeBron is like six, nine, two fifty five. It's not that much shorter than that. You know, like I just feel like, can we take this guy and mold him into something? You know, you've got Kittle there. You've got Forrester there, your offensive line coach. He can teach him how to block. I just, I almost, 
Now, maybe not with your first pick in the third round or maybe not a third round pick at all. But if he falls to like fourth or fifth round at some point, don't you have to be like, damn, let's just roll the dice on this these athletic traits. I mean, I have he, a different guy that's six, seven that I'd rather roll the dice on. That will probably go after Koontz. Okay. Uh, for Koontz though, before we move on 40 inch vertical, 10, eight broad jump, 23 bench reps. He was number one at all tight ends at the combine. Like this dude is a athletic freak. I don't just dismiss it out of hand just cause like those tools are, they're rare to find somebody that big, that fast, that strong. Yeah, and why wouldn't? It, but that's my question. How did he not dominate at Old Dominion then? If you're that fast, that big, that strong, playing against a bunch of guys that are never even going to sniff the NFL, why aren't you doing more? Why aren't you dominant? That's a fair question. But I I remember you also asking that question about Christian Watson, the wide receiver from North Dakota State, who really started to come on towards the end of the year last year. He scored touchdowns. He didn't do anything else. He was exactly MVS, which I called him MVS. He was he he and MVS had like the same type of plays. It was some long plays. He dropped a bunch of balls, both of them, and then he ended up he had a stretch there where he scored touchdowns a lot. But you just like, poo pooed Christian Watson's career. Yeah, I mean the the I mean how many bad games did he have? He went through like a three game stretch where it was impressive, but not even he had one game, I think, with 100 yards. And I don't know. He MVS three also games with 100 yards. Well, that's pretty good. But MVS, like he was exactly MVS. That's all I said Christian Watson is. He's MVS. So he had seven touchdowns on the year. They came in a span of four games. Yeah. He lit up the Cowboys four for 107, three touchdowns. The next week, four for 48 with two touchdowns against Tennessee, against the Eagles, a really good defense, four catches, 110 yards and a touchdown. Then against the Bears, three catches, 48 yards and a touchdown. I don't know. I think you, I think you poo-pooed him a little bit. I didn't. He. Didn't. <laughs> Who would see. you rather have, George Pickens or Christian Watson? Because I would much rather George Pickens. I don't know. Pickens makes some ridiculous catches. So I'll say that. Uh, who's your, who's your other physical freak at tight end that you want us to talk about? So he's not, as, he's not a physical freak like Zach Koontz. I'm not going to say that. Like Zach Koontz is much more athletic. His production at the combine was definitely insane. Josh Wiley though, I think is plenty athletic enough, especially for also being, he's nearly the same age as Koontz, a little bit younger, uh, 23.6 years old instead of 23.8. He's also six, seven. He's 248, so seven pounds lighter than Koontz, and he ran a 469, so still plenty fast for a guy Ooh. that big. But like his vertical jump was 33 and a half inches instead of the Koontz's insane 40. But again, like these are all fine metrics for a guy this size. He's expected to go in like the fifth, sixth round. He has really, really good speed, super reliable hands, able to find space and zone plays. And when you're watching, he plays super tough. Like when I'm watching him, it's like, okay, this guy I can see with the 49ers, like completely different than when I'm talking about a uh, shoemaker up there, like not even the same type of players at all. He does have short arms. 31 and a half inches, which is weird for being six foot seven. It doesn't really make sense. That's very, <laughs> the proportions there don't really make sense, but this is what I was talking about. Not being utilized a ton. So why this guy, did I ever even say his name? Josh Wiley? Yeah, you did. Okay. Josh Wiley from Cincinnati. He wasn't utilized a ton in the Cincinnati offense, but he was super skinny for most of his collegiate career. He was only two thirty pounds. 
for most mm. of it. And then as a senior, he got to 250 and he stayed there his whole senior year. So he's utilized more then, which I think now, I mean, even at the combine, he stayed at 248. So I think there's ability for him to keep putting more body weight onto his frame, six foot seven. Like there's way to strengthen yeah. that up. And he looks like a guy that actually has upside. He could be absolutely nothing. And that's why he's going in the fifth, sixth round. Right. But I think there's a lot of upside with him. No, he's not going to be able to come in and like be productive right away, but learn with George Kittle, put him out. He's six foot seven. Like you said, can you not mold this guy into something like, (laughs) I think he is a guy that could be super, super moldable. So if they're waiting until the fifth round to take a tight end, Josh Wiley from Cincinnati is the one I'm super rooting for. Uh, Instead of taking a guy like Zach Koontz or Luke Shoemaker earlier, like if they don't take Tucker Craft in the third because he doesn't fall, then I just want them to wait and take Josh Wiley. I can't teach six seven. Like there's nothing <laughs> I'm gonna do as a coach is gonna make somebody that big. So yeah, I, I think that so the Niners can sort of do a couple things. And I think where they pick a tight end will tell us sort of what they feel about George Kittle's future and sort of the urgency that they have there. If they go out and right away pick a tight end in the third round, then you know, damn, okay, this was more of a priority for them. This is something they obviously felt like they needed to address. If they wait to the fourth or fifth round, like you're saying, and end up going with a guy like Wiley, then maybe you know, hey, they're just fine paying George Kittle all that money. They are just looking for a backup tight end, and they're willing to roll the dice on somebody that has this sort of physical ability that you can't teach. I'm telling you. Like, I don't want just that lame tight end that's just meh, that has no upside. I, I, Ross Welly. <laughs> yeah. Like I just not down for that. I just, I, and I maybe that's probably why I'm not a GM, right? I'd always be shooting for the upside and then I would just have the worst team of all time trying <laughs> to train everybody. But I do think when you have someone as good as George Kittle already in the role, that's when you can take a chance, roll the dice, try to go for someone with way more upside than just taking like a, a guy you just know won't turn into anything more than, uh, like you said, Ross Welly. Yeah, and I think you have to factor that in to your decision-making, right? You have to factor in where the team is as a whole. Are we close to a Super Bowl? Are we not close to a Super Bowl? Is this guy going to be counted on right away? And you also factor in the guys that are there, the coaches you have there and the players around them, to where if you do need to mold somebody, you have it sort of coming at that guy from both angles. You have the coaches, which said they're always going to do that because that's their job. But don't underestimate the value of having a player do it, especially one like George Kittle, who's so respected and and famous really at his position, like peer advice and tips from your peers can go a lot further than from your quote unquote superiors, your coaches, your bosses, that kind of a thing. And I think that having Kittle there is an advantage in that area. I have a question for you because I know we've been talking about, you know, the possibility that the 49ers trade Brandon Ayuk during the draft and you're highly against that. And you really wouldn't want them to trade him just to have to take a wide receiver, right? What yes. if they were to trade Brandon Ayuk for a first round pick somewhere in those late teens, early twenties? Cause that's, I know it sounds crazy, but I think that's where you would value him. And they ended up taking a Dalton Kincaid, the top tight end in this draft class who has a super high ceiling and he is safe. And then you add him to the mix of these playmakers and you do, like, I think Kyle Shanahan's system with two tight ends in it could be very interesting. Like he could do a lot of interesting things there. Would you be down for that? Philosophically? I like that idea trade. If you're going to trade Ayuk and you want to move up and you get a tight end that can essentially be used as both a tight end and a wide receiver. I like that idea because if you actually give this person targets, they become a value for you. 
like uh, I, I forget where I saw it, but there was something that came out where like over the last four years or something like that, Travis Kelsey has actually been the most productive receiver of the football out of anybody in the league. And even though he makes a lot of money for a tight end, when you compare him to what the top receivers are getting, it is a huge, huge bargain. So I like that idea philosophically for the 49ers where I get a little nervous is specifically with Kincaid. He's had a back injury. Back injuries scare the hell out of me because most of the time, they don't ever go away and they don't ever get better. Like if you have a bad back, there's a reason we have that phrase, a bad back, because it continues to be a bad back. And when you're smashing into it for four hours every Sunday, those don't tend to improve over time. Yeah, that is a little nerve wracking, especially how early you would have to take him. I will say if Sam Laporta starts getting into the late second round, I think the 49ers just need to trade, uh, like Mm. somehow find a way. So when I was looking at Kincaid, I was looking at his stats on uh, PFF and he had the second most yards after the catch among tight ends in the FBS behind only Brock Bowers. Who's from Georgia. Who's going to be, he's like the top tight end in the nation. He's going to be a first round pick most likely next year. Mm-hmm. So he was only behind him, but guess who's third was Sam Laporta. He was right behind Dalton Kincaid and yards after the catch among tight ends in the FBS. Like just, I, after Dalton Kincaid, I'm honestly fine with putting Sam Laporta second, which I probably am far too high on him, but I love him so much. And if the 49ers could figure out a way to trade up and get him, like what, what would you have to get up to go from the late third to the late second? I don't really know, but you could do it between do the, it. the picks they have this year and the and picks they year. have next year. Yeah, you that's you could absolutely do it if you wanted to. And that has to be so tempting for these GMs, right? Like. That's why I love the way they changed the format of the draft. It used to all be on like over, you know, like two days and now it's split up. Let's say they get through the first round. Then you have a whole night and day to get through where you're sitting there and you're like, my God, Sam Laporte is still there. Like we could go up and get him and you just have to sit there and think about it for hours and hours. (laughs) It has to be so tempting for them to be like, look, we got 24 hours. We could work out a deal. Let me get on the phones. Let me do something. I think splitting it up like that gives essentially guys more time to get in their own heads. And to me, it makes everything a lot more interesting. I would just die if I was them and you have to wait that long to make your first pick because you're just seeing <laughs> like all these guys that you're like, maybe, maybe they can start falling. Maybe, and you just see them coming off the board and coming off the board. It would be so hard to not have a pick for that long. I guess you just have to think of like the pieces you do have. You have Christian McCaffrey because you don't have the right. second and third round picks, but until later in the third. But that would be hard for me as a GM. But the other thing to keep in mind too and I know nobody wants to hear this, especially now, and I would say this even if the 49ers had all their picks, most of the guys that get selected are going to suck. They're going to do nothing in the NFL because that's just generally how it works out. So keep that in mind too. It's like, yeah, you're missing out on players, but you're also missing out on some crap players too. So, you know, it's not all bad from that perspective. Um, But yeah, I do think it is a little stressful. Like, damn, you'd like to make a pick before they got to wait 98 picks before they're on the clock. That's a long time. It is a long time. And you're so right that a lot of these picks just suck. I had to go through every single team and their first round picks like over the last 10 drafts. And there's just so many bad picks in the first round, let alone the other rounds were 
it, it is kind of crazy how much these guys don't pan out and how many few stars are actually in the NFL. And because you like when you're taking a first round pick, you there's supposed to be a star, right? That's in our heads. But even right. if they end up just being productive and you know bringing something to the team and helping you win some games, that's really all you can ask for. And we all expect like the superstar in the first round, and that does not happen very often for like each team. People look at Mike McGlinchey, who was the ninth overall pick, and they're like they kind of look at him as a disappointment. But it's like considering how many first round picks are busts, just utterly useless. Mike McGlinchey's not a disappointment. They got really good value out of him for five years. That's a good first round pick. Yeah. It's not like everybody picked in the first round goes on to be a stud. That's just not how it works. So you have to keep that in mind. And I get it. Like I'm telling myself that too, because we don't have a pick until 99. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to cope a little bit. I'm fully willing to admit that, but 99, what are they, they have 99. I think they have like 101, something like that. I really think they're going to move up at some point. Maybe they're going to move like up to, to take a running back in the third round. Mm. <laughs> a running back no. they will never use and that we've never heard of. <laughs> I think that they are going to move up, but I, I don't know that it's going to be because you said you think they're going to make a splash. I don't know if they're going to make a splash, but I think they'll make a small move. I could just see them trading Brandon Ayuk. That's just what I, I I think that happens on day one. Poor Ayuk, man. What's that guy got to do? It's not Coming poor Ayuk. It's like he needs, I think it'd be better for him to go to a team that, listen, I get it. The, the 49ers are a really good chance to win. But if he wants to be a wide receiver one, he wants to get more targets. He wants to be dominant in this league. You're not going to get it with the 49ers. You're just not. They don't pass enough. They have too many weapons. And the, there's no real chance for him to be like, this 1400 yard receiving guy putting up all these touchdowns and like being the dude in the NFL. So, you know, if a team wants to trade for him, that he's going to be the true wide receiver one, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of other weapons and he wants to prove like I can be that man. Then maybe being traded is best for him. I could see from his perspective, not necessarily being upset about getting traded from because of that, especially because he's, he wants a new deal and you're not going to get paid unless you put up the numbers. Even if you do have the potential, the teams don't really give you second contracts based on potential. And remember his rookie year where everyone was hurt and he was getting targeted a ton. He was special. Like, and that was his mm -hmm. rookie year. So yeah, you might be a little, we don't know if he'll be good if he doesn't have all the weapons around him. But I do think his rookie year showed that there's a possibility. Well, I just said that word possibility <laughs> that he could be a really good wide receiver one that could be dominant if given all the targets that he needs that, you know, the best wide receivers receive in this league. So as we're sitting here talking about the draft, particularly, I know a lot of 49er fans take comfort in the fact that so many of their later round picks have been players that have developed into key contributors for this team. Part of the reason that has happened is Adam Peters, assistant general manager, who reportedly has had a big hand in some of these later round selections that have ultimately gone on to produce at a high level. Well, there was a troubling rumor that popped up yesterday. The rumor was that Nick Casario, the Texans GM, may be leaving the team after the draft this year to go back to New England, which is where he came from. And then Mike Silver came in off the top rope and said sort of the other side of that rumor, which is that Adam Peters would be one target that the Texans would go after to be their GM. I don't like this, Michelle. He's ours. 
leave him alone. I just don't get how Nick Casario could be like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably, I might leave after the draft. Why even let him make the draft picks like that? That's the weird that's all thing sketchy about it. and weird. And I don't know. I don't know if I believe these rumors. And also like if he was planning on doing that, why would you let him even near your draft room or have any Intel or do it? Like if he's going to go to the Patriots. Right. A team in your conference. Yeah. Um, and and teams guard these draft secrets and and any real inside information as like the most valuable thing in the world. And like you said, why would you let this guy then pick the players and then leave? Like what he's not going to be invested in those players' success. Plus, yeah. like it's not like he's retiring afterwards and you're like, okay, this is his last right. draft, but then he'll retire. Like, no, he'd be leaving to go to another team and bringing all the information he got. And like that just all seems like too weird to me. And the same thing for the 49ers. Like, yeah, Adam Peters is great, but if he's leaving, I don't want him near my my draft board. I just don't. Like, I I don't like that at all. But the other part of this that's weird for me is, like, Adam Peters' name popped up during the hiring cycle, the coaching cycle, whatever you want to call it, coaching carousel. His name popped up, and he reportedly told teams, no, I'm not interested. I'm staying in San Francisco. So why then would he remove his name from all these potential jobs that we saw only to then say, I want to go to the Houston freaking Texans, the biggest dumpster fire in the tougher conference in the AFC. I don't know. That just seems weird to me. Yeah. None of it makes sense. Also like Nick Casario, what would be his motivation to make good picks? Honestly, like you already <laughs> have the other job, so it doesn't matter. They're not going to see if these guys pan out to ruin your resume. And also you wouldn't want to make the Texans better because they're in your conference. Like I, I just, none of it makes sense. And I think they're just empty rumors at this point. Cause it just the team. Well, the only reason it can make sense is because the Texans are such a dumpster fire organization <laughs> that they would probably let this happen. And D'Amico Ryans is there, who, of course, was with Adam Peters in San Francisco. Bobby Slowick is there, who also was in San Francisco. So, you know, I guess there are dots to connect there. I don't know that necessarily they would be so attractive to him that he would want to leave. But who knows? Maybe maybe they are. I don't know. But the big sort of question that that has spurred, of course, Michelle, is, OK, let's say Adam Peters does go to Houston with 49ers connections of D'Amico Ryans and Bobby Slowick. Does he then try and trade for Trey Lance, who, of course, he drafted in San Francisco? It's Trey Lance going to the Texans. Listen, but we wouldn't even know any of this, though, until after the draft, right? Because Nick Casario wouldn't even, isn't even going to leave right. until after. So do they keep Trey Lance on? Does Trey Lance get traded during the draft? If he doesn't, I feel like he's safe to just stay on the 49ers. And also it comes down to the, which I do want to get into Do the Texans take a quarterback at number two. Cause if they do, then no, they're not going to trade for Trey Lance. Right. So there's, there's a lot of questions here and I just don't think we know anything. Also is Mike Silver really the strongest source? I feel like everything he says is wrong. Well, he nailed the Lance arm fatigue story. Nobody wanted to believe that he absolutely nailed it. He nailed the Jimmy Garoppolo's ghosting the team story. He nailed that one, which nobody wanted to give him any credit for. You know, people don't like Mike cause he doesn't always say nice things about the 49ers, but that doesn't make it not true. So, you know, I'm, I'm at least curious to see what happens. Um, I know that D'Amico Ryans had said Hey, we might not pick a quarterback at number two. We don't need a franchise savior. This is the season of lying, though. So you really can't put too much stock in what any coach or GM says, basically from like 
February to the end of the draft, pretty much. So I don't put a ton of stock in that. And these last two final weeks, I feel like are the most dangerous. I feel like this is where we get the most misinformation. And also, I think teams end up overthinking their picks, too. It's like all of a sudden, like, I, I don't know how much you know about this edge class. I don't know a ton, but I know the top guys. But like Tyree Wilson's being talked about possibly being drafted over Will Anderson. And it's like, what is going on here? Like, Think back to when the season ended and when you knew all your information, like stop overthinking it. I think it's there's too long of a time period when the college football season ends to when the draft is like the WNBA had their draft like a week after the the girls college uh, season was over. It's like obviously you can't do it that fast for the NFL, but at the same time or for any sport, I guess it's just way too fast to do your homework. (laughs) But this is too long. It's too long of a process. People start to overthink and it's just dragged out where all these rumors come out and it's just thrown all over the place and you have no idea what's true and what's not. Uh, so they should probably just move the draft to the beginning of April. That'd be great. Well, I, I know that there's a lot of people that would like to do free agency after the draft. Kyle Shanahan is one of them, actually. He's m- mentioned it multiple times. He doesn't like that it's free agency first and then the draft because the draft is kind of like, oh, crap, we we didn't sign, you know, a tight end in free agency. Now we have to draft one. And then there's so much unknown with the draft that it sort of puts you in a weird spot. Whereas if it was reversed, right, you could do the draft and then it's like, OK, we didn't end up taking a tight end. We took best player available, whatever. Now we know in free agency we have to go out and get one. And because free agents have played in the league and they usually have something on tape, you kind of know more what you're getting at that point. Yeah, I don't think uh, the players would ever sign off on that, though. I think they like having free agency before the draft. They're probably overpaid a bit, you know, because teams are a little (laughs) worried. And then if you let the draft go, teams might not feel as anxious and so nervous to fill holes because they've maybe done it other ways. But I don't think the players are ever going to allow that one. I don't know if they have to, if they have control over that, if when the draft is actually scheduled, I have no idea, but um, I'm sure it's in the agreement, right? I don't know the actual date of it. I have no idea. Well, I'm sure it's in there that the free agency is before the draft, right? The new league year begins March, whatever. And then free agency opens. Yeah. I'm not sure, but so that's the situation with the Texans. Um, also, these guys want to, you know, have a team and start working out with them and have their home, like learn where you're moving to and wait until after point. the draft would be stressful. The 49ers are doing a lot of sniffing around quarterbacks, though, Michelle, particularly in this draft class. Matt Barrows had an article for The Athletic recently where they had a meeting with, uh, oh, I can't remember this guy's name, Dorian Thompson Robinson, mm-hmm. I think his name is, from yeah, UCLA. Sleeper, they had a- yeah private workout with him but he's not the only quarterback and barrels goes through (coughs) excuse me and names a bunch of guys that the Niners are sniffing around which again kind of leads credence to the whole Trey Lance trade idea but I thought it was interesting that they were doing so much work on so many different guys considering they have Brock Purdy who they just drafted and they have Trey Lance who's still very very young and they have Sam Darnold so that kind of shocked me that is shocking I didn't know that that's very interesting. And if they're doing that, yeah, I just, mm-hmm. I don't know if Trey Lance ends up staying on this team. I don't know. And look, it could be just work because a lot of times what happens is uh, got, they do all this scouting on people because then eventually later on, when these guys become free agents in the NFL, one of the things they look back on is, okay, what did we like about this person 
when they were coming into the league. Let's go back and look at our notes and, and look and see what our evaluation was. And that's part of the reason Sam Darnold is on this team. Kyle Shanahan has talked about it, how they liked him coming out in 2018 because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so when teams are considering roster decisions, they do look back on their draft prep. So that's a reason for them to just sort of evaluate everybody because they want to have that sort of um, inventory, I guess, to look back on. Yeah, and I could totally see why they would be visiting or looking into Dorian Thompson Robinson. He's he's a very fun player. He's like that sleeper guy that's going to go a little bit later in the draft. So he's not like they're not expecting him to be gone in the first couple rounds or anything like that. So if he ends up falling to the fifth, sixth round, maybe you take a chance on him because he is so electric and uh, you know just a guy that has that kind of crazy athleticism and high upside and a strong arm. Lots you know raw but maybe take a chance on him, especially if you're planning on moving on from Trey Lance, like bringing in another body that has high upside because you would say even with Trey Lance there, yeah, maybe bring in another guy with high upside, but where would he fit in? I mean, you already, (laughs) you already signed Sam Darnold and you have uh, Brock Purdy. So are you going to carry four quarterbacks? Are you taking a guy in the fifth round being like, uh, there's really nowhere for him to fit. Maybe we'll put him on the practice squad if nobody steals him. But someone will steal him, for sure. Right. Well, that's the thing you have to worry about. So we mentioned uh, Thompson Robinson. Also, Aiden O'Connell from Purdue. They've talked with him. They've had BYU's Jaron Hall in for a meeting. Um, Tyler Baggett. Sorry, I don't know the names. Um, But multiple quarterbacks. And again, this is all in Barrow's article in The Athletic that you can look at. And so... Maybe they're just trying to protect themselves in case Purdy is out for the entire season. Then they would want to add another quarterback because then you would just have Lance and Darnold. And so you would need somebody. Um, But I don't know. They But they're sniffing around it. And teams don't do these things for no reason. They don't do it by accident. So I think it's something that you have to at least consider when we're talking about Trey Lance and what could happen. Aiden O'Connell is a creepy looking dude. I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing over here because his picture popped up and... Man, he needs to shave that stash. That's for sure. But he is not. Oh. Um, he's not someone I would trust uh, hanging out with alone. I'll say that. Oh, also Jake Hayner from Fresno State was also on that list. Uh, so yeah, there's quite a few names there. By the way, if you have a stash and just a stash, that's a really hard. There's like three guys that can pull it off, and one of them's Tom Selleck. Um, but no, his is like thin. Just go look it up if you're listening. Aiden O'Connell from Purdue. Go look at this. Go look at his no headshot. Uh, you said you had more info on what the Texans might do at number two. What do you got for me? Yeah, so this I just kind of dug into the Texans. Just I dug into like the past historical data with the draft over the last like since 2010 because when the news came out that the Texans might not take a quarterback at number two, your first reaction is like, oh, that's so stupid. Obviously, they're going to take a quarterback. They need to take a quarterback. <laughs> they only have Davis Mills. Like it's going to happen. This is all just stupid rumors. But I looked at the draft since 2010. There's been five quarterbacks taken at the number two overall pick, and there's been five defenders, plus one running back and two offensive tackles. But I just want to look at quarterbacks versus defenders because I think that's what they're deciding between right now. So five and five, right? The five quarterbacks that were taken at the number two overall pick since 2010. Zach Wilson, Mitch Trubisky, Carson Wentz, Marcus Mariota, and Robert Griffin III. Yes, all of them had a career passer rating under 90. The five quarterbacks had a combined quarterback win percentage of 0.475, and only Zach Wilson is currently still on the roster of the team that drafted him, and none of those five are projected to be starters uh, in 2023. 
at least in week one, right? And then you go over to the defensive side and four of the five defenders selected at the number two overall pick since 2010, one defensive rookie of the year. And those five defenders are Aiden Hutchinson, Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Von Miller, and I hate this name, Ndamukong Sue. Did I hit it? You know, Ndamukong. Ndamukong Sue. Uh, so that's crazy. Holy crap. That is a list right that's there. That's a nice defenders. list. And the only one that didn't win defensive rookie of the year was Aiden Hutchinson, but he led the rookies with nine and a half sacks. And in most years, he probably wins it, but Sauce Garner was a freaking beast. And then yeah, also on that list, you have Nick Bosa, who just won defensive player of the year. And then with Von Miller and Sue, uh, Sue oh my goodness, I had it down. Like I tell you, I had it <laughs> done. They were both selected to the NFL 2010s all decade team. So it's a really solid list of players. And when you're comparing these groups again, like let's just dig further in. It's five defenders, five quarterbacks. The defenders at the number two overall pick since 2010, they've been selected to a total of 17 Pro Bowls and seven first-team All-Pros, while the five quarterbacks have been selected to three Pro Bowls, zero first-team All-Pros. The quarterbacks have zero playoff wins as a group, as starters, while the defenders have 21 playoff wins together. And then Super Bowl wins, you got three for the defenders, obviously zero for the quarterbacks since as starters, again, because Carson Wentz technically has a ring, but he did not start and it's just completely different And the Texans again they're they're terrible on both sides of the ball it's not like <laughs> oh well we really just need to fix our offense no you're so bad on defense too they're like right they're equally terrible at both sides you're not going anywhere this year so if you don't if Bryce Young is gone right because they said if Bryce Young is gone that's when they would pretty much or that's the rumors if he's gone, you don't feel good about a quarterback too. You need a difference maker. So if you feel like that's on defense and the luck at number two overall has been pretty bad as of late, maybe they go with that defensive piece. They have D'Amico Ryans, who's that defensive minded head coach. And then, you know, you're not really going anywhere this year anyways, even if you were to get a rookie quarterback, Caleb, the class next year with Caleb Williams, he would easily yep. be the quarterback one in this class. There's very easily the Texans could be a top, one or two pick again next year, then you could just go up and get one of those guys like the Drake may too. Like there's really good quarterbacks coming out next year. So you just wait it out. So what I, the whole reason I'm bringing this up is because there's um, a bet on FanDuel team to draft Jalen Carter, who's a defensive tackle who got in all that trouble. And, but that's already been settled. He settled it. He's not, there's no jail time. You just have 12 months of probation. So it's like, that's the whole criminal side or the, whatever the court side that's done. It just comes down mm -hmm. to what teams feel now. He was the number one overall prospect in the draft before that happened. So maybe the Texans don't even stay at two. Maybe they come down a couple spots. If someone wants to come up and get a quarterback, but I think they end up with defensive tackle Jalen Carter and it's plus 1600 odds. So Ooh. I'm not saying to go put down a hundred dollars or anything. Cause the draft is way too unpredictable, but I am very interested in putting down 10 bucks and winning $160 if it ends up happening. And could they end up taking a quarterback and just going with CJ Stroud or does Bryce Young fall down? Absolutely. Like that's totally in question. I just think there's also a really solid chance they go with a defender. Maybe it's Will Anderson, but I do think Jalen Carter's more the difference maker than a Will Anderson is. Jalen Carter is like really a fantastic piece to have. And uh, I could just see it happening. That's all. That's my, that's my speech, which we're on a 49ers podcast. So I'm sure you're like, Shut up, Michelle. But I just wanted to share <laughs> no. that. Well, I like draft betting, first of all. I just 
I find it fun. Plus, I think it definitely adds, you know, a little bit extra as you're watching the draft, especially for a 49ers fan who you really don't have anything to really watch for for the first three rounds. So I'm I'm down to make that bet. And again, Texans, don't go bankrupt like 10 bucks. <laughs> right. Be responsible. Don't bet it if you can't lose it. Um, but if you're the Texans also, you're going to have extra first round picks anyway because of the Deshaun Watson trade. So you well, actually, exactly. They have the number 12 overall pick. So if they wanted to go Jalen Carter and then trade up and take, you know, what if say Will Levis starts to fall or Anthony Richardson starts to fall, if they don't see a big gap between them and CJ Stroud, if Bryce Young ends up going number one to the Panthers, like this, I actually think this would be the better option. Go with Jalen Carter. Don't be stupid. Also, that list does scare me off. I mean, the number two overall pick for quarterbacks has been disgusting. And it's because <laughs> it's mostly because a quarterback before, I think in all of these cases, a quarterback went before them who was either better or also bad, but it's like Trevor Lawrence over Zach Wilson. Mitch Trubicki mm-hmm. was the first one, right? He was the first guy. Carson Wentz had Jared Goff, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, so also bad. And then Robert Griffin the third had Andrew Luck in front of him. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's interesting. And I don't, I'm not obsessed with any of these quarterbacks this year. Unless you have a pretty deep draft, would you rather have the second or third best quarterback or would you rather have potentially the best defender? That's yes. something to think about too. Uh, and everybody says about this draft that it really, there's a few names at the top, but the strength of the draft is the depth of the draft. And so that doesn't really, you, you know, you're not locked in then if you're at two and you want to trade down, are you really going to be that worried that you're going to miss out on somebody if, if the draft isn't as deep as people say? So. And when you get into the second round, if this is how it falls and there's no quarterback that you felt good about coming up at number 12, guess who you can call up? You can call up the 49ers and see if they'd be open to trading Trey Lance for you for a second round pick that's that could be a possibility and i think right there you change your team instantly and i would rather trey lance than any probably not over bryce young right now i don't know his height and size really scares me but he's really talented and i do like cj stroud he's fine i just um i think getting trey lance in the second round would be a steal for somebody right now with this draft class well, that's the the crazy thing, right? So if you're the 49ers and somebody calls you, Houston calls and says, hey, we'll give you a high two for Trey. Or maybe, hell, if you really wanted to and you're Houston, you could wait until the end of the draft and say, hey, we'll give you a one next year for Trey Lance. Like, you, well, They probably want to do that those... because there's even with Trey Lance, they're probably still a top 10 overall pick right there. Well, maybe, but it depends how much they like Trey Lance. Yeah. But like what I'm saying is because they have those extra first round picks, they're probably not as scared about trading one of them away because like we have extra, you know, like it's it's not as big of a loss. It would be if you had just one first round pick and then you traded it away. So they may be more than will. They may be more willing to give up a little bit more for Trey Lance than other teams, especially because they might feel like they know him a little better given to Miko Ryan's and Bobby Slowick's time in San Francisco. So it's definitely something to watch for sure. Talk about a change of environment though. Trey Lance would be coming from like the most loaded offense ever to, can you name a wide receiver right now on the Texans? Cause Brandon cooks got mm, traded. Yeah. Cooks is not there anymore. No, uh, no. What the guy from Notre Dame is not there anymore. Right. I don't even know who you're talking about. The super, uh, the super fast guy who's Will always heard. I can- no, yeah, he's gone. he's gone. Yeah, see, so no, I don't know. He's not even in the NFL right now, which is wild. Uh, oh, there you go. But it, I, they did sign Robert Woods in free agency. I know that, but he's eh. 
after his ACL. He didn't do much of anything. So poor Trey Lance would go from like the most stacked to the least stacked. It would be interesting, but uh, yep. at least he'd get the start. Right. It'd be his team. He'd actually get a chance to play. So we'll see what happens. That is definitely something to watch. So we'll keep an eye on the Houston Texans GM situation. Adam Peters, who knows about that? And of course, Trey Lance is always lingering out there, hovering. See, my thing now is, though, Nick Casario could be like, oh, I don't want to take Jalen Carter because he could fall a little bit with his issues. And maybe the Patriots can go up and go get him. I don't trust all of this now, but um, no, I like Jalen Carter to the Texans. There you go. And if you have a little uh, little money that you are comfortable with moving around, maybe you place a bet and uh, hopefully that pays off for you. Uh, we'll be back next week, of course. We'll probably have more draft breakdown as we get closer and closer to the big day. Thank you very much, Michelle. By the way, before we go, I want to let people know that we did have a little game night last night. Me and my wife, Erin, did like a Zoom call, essentially, with Michelle and her wife, Kate. We played Pictionary, Michelle, and what happened? I'm the worst drawer of all time, which I didn't know how bad I was going to be. I'm the one that suggested Pictionary. I knew I was a bad drawer, but I like couldn't even like visualize how to put something in my mind onto where I was drawing on a whiteboard. I couldn't even draw a car. I was trying to draw a limousine. I couldn't even possibly draw a car. It was so bad. I just kept drawing a box. Um, and then all night long, I just kept dreaming about me having to draw a Pictionary and people having to guess. And I was even worse in my dream somehow. It's not even possible, but, uh, stats, poor wife, Aaron had to be my partner. And I think she wanted to, uh, probably murder me, but she was very, very nice, but she was such a good drawer and she was so good. So I felt, I felt so bad, but yeah, stats, stats won. but you know what you didn't win the cool card because, uh, I, me and my wife show up, you know, with an alcoholic beverage because it's Thursday night and we're doing double date night. And, uh, I'm in a sweatshirt also, you know, like I'm dressed down cause I'm in my house and then stats shows up on camera in a button down shirt, like dressed up <laughs> with a cup of tea. And, uh, I just, you know, the, that age gap right there, it really, I felt it. Okay. First of all, I didn't change into the button down shirt because we were doing the double date. Who doesn't change from the button down shirt to something more comfortable when you get home, you weirdo. All my clothes are comfortable already. There's no need to change. Don't you okay, want to just sweatshirt on and sweatpants at home and be all comfy? No, that is not me. If you see me in a sweatshirt and sweatpants, something is wrong. Something well, you also me. made your poor I'm... wife feel like she needed to look nice too, clearly, because she was wearing a nice shirt and she probably just wanted to be in sweatpants and a sweatshirt, but you made her feel insecure about it because you're all dressed up like a weirdo. no. My wife was not going to show up on the Zoom call in a sweatshirt and sweatpants the first time she's meeting you and your wife. There's what do you no mean? It was the first that. time I was meeting her and I showed up in sweatpants with a sweatshirt. Well, what does that say about you? That's, That's all. I am confident in myself. <laughs> I'm at home. And, it's not like we're meeting out at dinner. I'm at home. And, and. Before we jumped on the Zoom call, my wife said, hey, Rob, can you make some tea? So that's why I made tea. And it was delicious. And I don't regret it for a second. Guys are losers. We're playing picture. Or no, we're playing categories next time. And I was, we're all having mimosas. That's the rule. We're going to destroy you. I'm just telling you right now, we are a big categories house. Well, I then we should probably happens. split teams because that's not fair. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a knockout. I am much better out. at categories than I am at drawing. So there's that. Well, you'd have to be. <laughs> you guys, it was so bad. I can't even lie. It was so <laughs> She couldn't bad. draw a car. It's I a for- box on wheels, Michelle. I forgot how to draw a car. 
god. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Please rate, review, and follow the podcast. We're trying to get our star rating up. It is climbing, but we still need your help, so please, please do that, and I promise you we'll read it on the show. Also, like and subscribe to the YouTube page as well, youtube.com slash at goldstandardnetwork. Michelle, I hope you have a fabulous weekend. I will. I hope you do, too. Bye, y'all. 